this ranger instructor looked down at me and he goes, he goes, are you committed? And I looked at him and I mean, my face is muddy. I, I got shit in my eye. I'm trying to get out. Uh, I'm hacking up stuff. And, and I said, what do you mean? What do you mean, Sergeant? And he goes, look, a, a chicken is dedicated because it gives an egg. A pig is committed because he gives bacon. He goes, you understand the difference? And I said, yes, I do. And I've never, and I've never forgot that. And those are kind of words that I, that I still to this day, I live by. everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Kelly Githens, if I, if I can pronounce it right. And uh, just to introduce you a little bit to Kelly, so he was born in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, went and got an undergraduate degree in, uh, from Oregon State in business, and uh, also played a bit of basketball for a couple of schools uh, while going through college. Then enlisted in the Army, um, rose to an officer level, um, and then was reassigned in 85, did some work in Saudi Arabia. And then in the 90s, uh, got into stocks into real estate, um, wanted to become a millionaire and figured that was a way to do it. Um, and then started out uh, doing appraisals to learn the ropes, um, frust- or got frustrated about the meltdowns of the market, wrote a couple of books on that, um, and then uh, was talking with someone else about the real estate markets and uh, in the faraway markets and decided to take a look into how you start go about or go about uh, evaluating the different properties and uh, created a tool and that kind of leads him to where he's at today. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Kelly. Thank you, Devin. So I gave kind of the quick 30 second run through of a much longer journey. So uh, maybe if we can go back in time a bit, tell us a little bit about how your journey got started in business school and the basketball and the army. And we'll go from there. I was going to say you pretty much summed it up. I think the interview is done, isn't it? Well, if that's if that's the, the total extent of your whole journey and your whole life, then thirty seconds is a very long time. So, well, why don't we dive in and we'll expound a little bit more on things? You got it. Uh, my background, uh, tried trying to encapsulate it. Uh, I'm a Portland, Oregon boy. Um, grew up uh, grew up in Portland. High school, uh, undergrad degree um, was at Oregon State. Um, before that, my journey was primarily, uh, I, I think my major was chasing girls with minors in basketball and uh, a distant minor in business. Um, to that effect, to try and get through school, um, I kind of scratched around like everybody did, everything from a commercial fisherman to tow truck driver to bartender. Spent a year in Australia working on a sheep and cattle station. That didn't work out real well. Um, and then finally, uh, that, that dawned on me. I had an epiphany after the uh, Australia venture. And that was like, uh, I'm never going to have a job worse than that. And oh, by the way, I think I need my degree. Mm. So finished that up. Uh, was influenced by the people that, that surrounded me. And I looked at uh, my peers and I decided to pad my resume, I would uh, become an officer in the army. 
and uh, had some super interesting jobs there and had a real crisis of faith at the at the nine year mark. And that's basically where they take out part of your brain and give you oak leaf uh, major clusters. And um, yes, uh, a couple of the jobs that I had there that were just super interesting. Um, I was a general's aide. I got to um, I got to command a rifle company, uh, which is basically leading uh, 128 shooters. And um, the last job I had was super interesting. I worked at a computer center in Texas. And unlike Al Gore, I actually did get to work on the, uh, the backbone of the internet at that time. It was called the Defense Data Network, mm-hmm. sponsored by DARPA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a telecommunications officer and system security officer um, for the facility. And then uh, things led on to things. And uh, I wound up not really by choice, but more by accident, spending uh, a, a couple of contracts and five years in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Came back and uh, finished up my master's. Uh, and at that time, uh, I was trying to figure out what to do at the next stage of my life. And I read an article in the Wall Street Journal about, uh, at that time, it was about the savings and loan crisis. And they said they were having a hard time finding qualified uh, appraisers. And so I kind of kind of tied that together with being the best investor I could, which was kind of a glaring flaw in my logic. But now let me just ask one thing, because so this or a couple of curiosities just with your journey. Sure. When you went into the army to get, you know, kind of pad the resume, get additional leadership opportunities and get experience. Looking back on that, was that did it provide kind of what you were looking for? Did it provide that, you know, resume building experience and was it a worthwhile journey? Or was it something that you enjoyed and but it didn't work out the way you thought? Just kind of curious because you said that that was kind of the original original reason you went into it. Well, the original reason I went into it was I took a look at my peers and I saw what they were doing, you know, kind of the mundane stuff, entry level positions and things like that. I took a look at at my adopted dad and my foster dad, both of them were uh, career military guys. And I just kind of came up to a snap decision that, that, that said, yeah, this would be a good, uh, good way to pad my resume and get some great experience i don't know if that answers your question or not i yeah for the most part now my follow-up to that would be is that was the original intent now after you got out of the military and continue on with getting the degree and going into um you know the other or past with your career was it a worthwhile in other words did it help to pad your resume was it a worthwhile endeavor or would you have done it differently well i think each individual's journey is unique uh, and everybody has to travel their own path that being said i firmly believe that we're conditioned uh, we're condi- i firmly believe in operant conditioning and we're conditioned by our surrounding set of circumstances and the people that influence us so to me it was natural for somebody else it would have been a real struggle um, i think uh, to 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 answer your question, yeah, for me, it was the right choice. Um, and I got experiences and 
which is what I think a, a lot of life is about. Uh, I got a lot of unique experiences that guys are never, they couldn't imagine. Mm. Um, and I, in the end, now that I look back retrospectively, I just enjoyed the shit out of it. Hey, well, that's the, that's one of the most important things. If you enjoy what you do and you love it, then that definitely makes it worthwhile. So, so now you did. So as you wrapped up, as you mentioned, you you know wrapped up the military, decided you're coming out, went up, finished the master's degree, and started to get into kind of looking to getting into stocks and real estate, and went into being an appraiser to learn the ropes. So I guess the you kind of hit on it, but maybe just diving in a bit more. What kind of drew you to stocks and real estate? Was it just simply the allure of money and you know make turning a quick buck did you think that was an interesting uh, thing to chase down or kind of what took you from going being in the military to going to that path well i i'm pretty goal oriented and basically work off a punch list and things like that and so that it seemed like a like a natural thing to do to set a goal to be a millionaire um I made a lot of money in the tech bubble and I wound up giving it back because I thought I was the only, only person that could read a business plan and didn't pay attention to Chairman uh, Greenspan at the time, what he said about irrational exuberance. Mm. And so, like I said, uh, uh, made a lot of money, uh, uh, like in excess of $6 million, and then wound up giving most, almost all of it back. Um, to that effect, uh, just out of curiosity, giving it back to who, in other words, losing it or giving it to charity or who did you give it to? I gave it back. Uh, I rode uh, a couple of securities all the way up to all the way up to, to, to the pinnacle of their valuation and then thought I was the only one that could read a business plan and, and, uh, believed, uh, believed when I shouldn't have believed and listened to my broker when I shouldn't have listened and, um, you know, major, major error in logic. So now you so see you kind of wrote it all the way up and then wrote it back all, you know, wrote it back most of the way down. And so one point you were a millionaire, you gave it back. And then now as you're kind of writing that back and forth, you know, where did, you know, and I also think you wrote a couple books in the meantime as well on kind of all of the ups and downs of the market, but kind of as you're writing that back down and figuring out what to do next or where to, where to head next, kind of where did, what, how did you figure out, you know, after you been at the pinnacle and then down at the bottom, what to do next? Well, I think the only analogy I could give up that, you know, your listeners will probably get a kick out of. I don't know if it applies to you or not, but I don't know if you've ever been in a bar fight. I, and, I for better or worse, I've never been in any fight, at least or no physical fights anyway. Um, well, it's like, I don't know, I think it was Tyson that said, well, it could have been a military strategist, but it's like, once you've been punched, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And that the tech bubble thing was like, yeah, I, I got punched hard. And then um, I still had a portfolio in real estate and I turned into what is called a shoebox condominium developer. I morphed, tried to morph from, a, from an appraiser into an investor, into a developer, which is a natural sequence. Hmm. and then the tech bubble hit so i got punched again hmm. um so that being said i wrote those ebooks out of frustration it's just like 
to use the basketball metaphor, it's like I needed to see the ball go through the hoop. So I did it and I got stuck in my chain of logic. Uh, one of the books that I wrote was about how to value real estate in distant markets. And I had an idea, but I couldn't execute and I kind of copped out and I gave all kind of ambivalent answers and I just kind of threw the book on the shelf. And I, by the way, I've never published or never even thought about it. Mm. But a, a little while back, uh, less than a year ago, I was involved with this uh, real estate wholesaling program. And this dude's concept was he could comp properties. Comp properties means find comparables mm -hmm. uh, for properties using third-party sources. Well, a light went on and I went back to the ebook that I wrote and I said, this is the final chapter to that book. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I just had an aha moment. And I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I had a cigar and a glass of wine and a long think with myself. And I came up with the idea of creating a tool, a tool that where I could, I could teach laymen which is the hardest part of it, uh, how to simply punch in some uh, identify properties from third-party sources and get a valuation estimate, not only from a sales comparison approach, but also since they've got things called Rentometer and Rents from Zillow, I could create a rudimentary um, gross rent multiplier and an income approach uh, and then from there, it started to spin out of control in a good way. Mm. And what I mean by that is I said, man, I think I'm onto something here. So I fleshed those out and I've created a tool where I can, I can give a superficial, I, I can help the layman create a superficial valuation from the income and the value and the uh, sales comparison approach, or I've given them grids where they can go and they can refine the valuation as deep as they want. And what I've done after that is I've turned the tool into something that uh, an investor can use, which is primarily oriented, where I've got pictures, I've got budgets, I've got all the financial metrics any lender could conceivably want. In fact, one of the modules is the lender slash underwriter, met, uh, underwriter module Hmm. where I've got every conceivable metric that I could think of and the people surrounding me could think of that they would want. So in the end, to present to a lender or a broker could use this, a portfolio manager could use this, anybody that wants to take the time to learn to learn this would have pictures of the, of the subject and comparables. They'd have all kinds of metrics. They'd have the valuation. I've created modules where you can throw stuff into a repository and keep all your tools, your investment tools. And um, to summarize it, I think it could be, for me, it's definitely going to be a game changer because I'm using it for two primary purposes. The first, the first and probably foremost is to approach accredited investors and say, hey, I know what I'm doing. Invest with me and look at what I've created. 
Um, the second is, and I'm more perplexed, and I'm not really sure how to do it, is turn this thing into a Shark Tank product and monetize it. Relatively. And that was, was going to be one of the, the questions I had, because, I mean, there's always a difference. I think that, you know, there's an adventure <laughs> side and a business and marketing, you know, kind of side of every business. Yeah. And you can create really cool products and tools that will definitely benefit people, but then finding it, monetizing it, bringing it to market and otherwise seeing who will actually be willing to pay for it and use it and reaching those people is always kind of that different hurdle. So kind of give, you know, maybe the audience just a bit, are, you know, where along that process are you having built a tool? Have you launched it? Are you having, you know, people use it? Are you looking for people to use it or kind of where are you at along that spectrum? Well, the first thing I'd like to address is, and I've had plenty of time to think about it, is what is my market? You know, kind of doing a SWOT analysis. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and the answer comes back, um, anybody who wants to know the value of a house and they want to do it, whether it's a one-time or a consistent basis, that's, that's my market. And that is huge. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I'm an appraiser, and they they pay me to go out for a single job. They'll pay, they'll pay me, you know, for a house, four or five hundred dollars. And I'm saying I can. My big challenge now is to convert what I have up here, and pass through the eye of a needle, like Christ said about a rich man going to heaven, and how difficult it is. It's like passing through the eye of an eye of a needle, mm -hmm. and it's like my challenge now is to communicate succinctly so I don't bury my audience alive in minutia and give them tools that they, that they can use and they can learn easily and they can use easily. Or if they don't want to, they can turn it over to an assistant who can learn it. And by virtue of that, I think I think it's I, I think it can be a solid winner. And if you take it a step further, uh, I'm working with over a lot of overseas people mm. and I query them as to whether they have the same type of mechanics that we do with respect to third party sources like Zillow, Redfin, Trulia, and Realtor.com. And I'm thinking, wow, if this methodology works, why couldn't I take it globally? Mm -hmm. um, and I know I've glossed over the first part of the question. Do you want me to address those again? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you hit on a lot of it. And I think the, the main, you know, kind of just point of interest, which is mainly on, you know, because I or how far, you know, so you, it sounds like you've developed the product, you have, you know, you've done a, a pretty good analysis, you understand who the market is, or who, who the potential customers are, and what that benefit would be to them. And now it sounds like for to maybe put words in your mouth, so to speak, is it looks like you're now looking to launch and see how to monetize it and actually get it out there to people. So they start using it. Is that about right? Sort of. It's like if you had a flow chart, you'd have two arrows going in different directions. The first, I believe that we are overdue for a correction in the real estate market. And I want to position myself with deep pocket investors to take advantage of this. Hmm. That's the first part. The other area goes, it's like a question mark right now. Um, and I'm right at, I'm right at the point where 
based on your advice, I am finishing up the review of the provisional patent. We've got um, an overseas lawyer looking at three separate trademarks. Um, and I've just commissioned a coder to take it from an Excel-based product into uh, actual software. Mm. So I've got those three things are, you know, to me, they're going very slowly, but in, rea in the reality, like I told uh, my co-conspirator in Canada, it's like, we're really going at warp speed. Mm. No, and I think that that definitely gives some some insight on on everything. So, well, as we've now kind of brought to you a bit where you're, you know, what your journey's at and, or been and where you're at uh, today, <laughs> always a good place to transition to. The two questions I always yeah. ask. At the, at the end of Why did podcast. I know that was coming? <laughs> Go figure. Um, so with that, you know, the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Well, I've got three of them. And one is kind of ambiguous is trust because I trusted somebody when I, I actually resigned my commission based on trust and going into a vocation uh, that was really lucrative. And I put my trust in somebody and that didn't work out real well. So I had to dance on my feet, hence the two contracts in Saudi Arabia. Um, the second was not listening to my inner voice. And then the third one goes back to uh, the mistake that I made during the tech bubble in, in thinking that the hubris of thinking that I was the only one that could interpret a business plan. Mm. So you got, you got a three for. No, I think that they, and, and the more the merrier. So I appreciate that. And <laughs> definitely plenty of things to learn from. So now we jump to the second question, which is, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, gave that one a lot of thought and it goes along with the story too. Um, uh, a combination. Uh, I, I take, I took a look at most all of your interviews and the conclusion that I came to is the people that you're dealing with, uh, they have more than a modicum of intelligence. So we're not talking about raw native intelligence. What sure. we're talking about that separates the smart people from the, the really successful people, I think, is a combination of um, commitment and perseverance. And to that effect, it's like one of the life-changing stories in my life was I was in ranger school, blah, 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 blah. Uh, in the in the swamps uh, down in Florida, and I had to. We we had to pick somebody to climb up this uh, this embankment, and we're 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 all hunked up. We're all messed up. I mean, this is like most of the way through it, and we're just we're just physically and mentally a wreck. And they pointed to me and said, "Go." And it wasn't my turn for a leadership position. So I started climbing this, this embankment. And I must have slipped four or five times. And, you know, it's like 20, 25 feet tall and just slippery as shit. And it was a had to. And I finally got up there. And this RI, this ranger instructor, looked down at me and he goes, he goes, are you committed? And I looked at him. And I mean, my face is muddy. 
I, I got shit in my eye. I'm trying to get out. Uh, I'm hacking up stuff. And, and I said, what do you mean? What do you mean, Sergeant? And he goes, look, a, a chicken is dedicated because it gives an egg. A pig is committed because he gives bacon. He goes, you understand the difference? And I said, yes, I do. And I've never, and I've never forgot that. And those are kind of words that I, that I still to this day, I live by. No, I like that. And I, I think that a lot of the difference between success, you know, successful businesses, successful entrepreneurs and startups, and those aren't as the level of commitment because it's, it is going to be, you know, climbing that hill is going to be difficult. It's not going to be always fun. And there's a lot of things that you're going to have to navigate. But if you're committed and you're going there to making it work, I think that that is often the turning point to, towards success. So I, I love that as a feedback. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, just as a reminder to the audience, we are going to, uh, after the normal episode, chat a little bit about the intellectual property, which is always my favorite topic. So if you want to hear a, a little bit more on that, make sure to stay tuned uh, after the podcast to hear us uh, a, a, a bit of a discussion on that. But otherwise, as we wrap, uh, wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you, or find out more? Uh, my website is kdgland.com, kdgland.com. Um, best email is kelly at Western Equities. Another email is kellygith at gmail.com. And I think, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, connect up, find out more. And if, you're, uh, if you can use the tool and it'll be beneficial, definitely uh, use that as well. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, if you'd like to be guests on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. Two more things as a listener. Um, one, make sure to click subscribe to your podcast players so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of the awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. So now with that, so now we've done, talked through your journey, got some of your advice, and it's always kind of fun to switch gears just a bit and talk a little bit about a topic that's always near and dear to my heart. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to ask you your top intellectual property question. Yeah, I think this is ubiquitous and it travels along a lot of different levels. It's like, what is your best advice for somebody like me that, that has a really, really good idea? That's two reallys, maybe three reallys, really, really, really good idea, but they're working on a shoestring budget. And I realize I've, I've done my homework, taking a look at your website, and you have your SNAP products in place. So uh, I'll shut up and listen to what you have to say now. Yeah, I mean, there is a range, range of differences between startups. You know, but the, I'd say the commonality within all startups and small businesses, there's always more money to, or more things to spend money on than money to spend. And so with that, you're always kind of balancing the where do you spend the money, where do you get the best return on investment, what makes sense. And then, you know, on that kind of setting up to your question, the question is, is let's say you're at the end of the spectrum to where you're, you know, very, you know, on a shoestring budget, you're self-financing, you're otherwise doing it, you don't have a lot of funds, 
to do it, you know, you always have one is that you say, hey, this is work. It, I would I would back up just a bit and say, first of all, why are we going after doing the or what is the purpose of going after the intellectual property? Why do we need it? Is it because we want to protect against others? We want to be patent pending? Is it we want to do um, use it to leverage to get a better valuation for investors or for money? Because you're going to have a bit of a different flavor as to what is the the motivation as to you know how aggressive you want to be with it. As an example, if you're going to go after investors. Best answer is, is save up the money and have an attorney do it because they're going to go through, they're going to evaluate your intellectual property, your patents on that. And they can, or either them or their attorneys can pretty easily see when it's self-drafted or whether it's self-done and it has a limited value to them because they are generally going to want to see an, an attorney do it. Now, if on the other hand, you're saying, hey, I just want to get protection. I want to get patent pending. I want to just be able to uh, have that demarcation in the sand so that if anybody comes along after me, I can show that I was a first inventor, those type of things. Then you can a lot of times start out with um, a provisional patent application. Again, I still recommend an attorney, but if you're looking and saying, okay, I still can't afford an, uh, afford an attorney, or at least not at this point, it is always better to have something, you know, something rather than nothing or something in place so if you actually have zero dollars, I would just write it yourself, you know, or you can, it can be a bit difficult or not as straightforward, but you can figure out how to file it yourself, get an account set up with the patent and trademark office and go from there. So I was kind of, you know, look at it as that is the bare minimum you can do. Now you mentioned and on the, some of the SNAP legal stuff that we offer is we're trying to kind of bridge that gap because I always kind of look at it as there's kind of three tiers. If I were to kind of go to the real estate analogy, you know, you can get it, go out and you can pitch a tent. Technically that's a home, that's a dwelling. You could live in it, may not be comfortable, may not be big, but that's kind of when you, when you file it yourself, you know, if you prepare and file it yourself, it's better than being out in the cold and having no protection, nothing over your head, but it is of a limited value. We kind of then, you know, on the other side, you've got a nice house. You have the builder that, you know, goes and does it for you, that they have the experience. They know how to make a nice house that will be weatherproof, that will be heated and air conditioned, have all the amenities. And that's a lot of times what you're doing with the, uh, with an attorney. And in the middle is kind of where we're, we're positioning with the, a lot of the staff legal stuff is, okay, you want something better than a tent. You can't afford the, the nice house with the experienced builder. So why don't we kind of give you that something in the middle to where you can have a re, you know, maybe a small house, a, a bit more of a shack, but something that gives you a bit more of protection, that gives you a bit more of um, comfort, and that gives you somewhere to, to be long-term. And that's where SNAP Legal comes in. So that, that's where I kind of gauge as to what are you looking for? What are you going after? And then match up your budget with the, whichever one that uh, you're looking for. Does that make sense? Well, I kind of walked right into that one, didn't I? That was a great pitch. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you. You, you, you really answered it well. So, well, awesome. Well, definitely, if you or any of the audience have any other questions, we only get a, a, a few minutes to talk about intellectual property. I could go on for, all, or for days on that topic. But uh, if, you, if you or the audience have any questions, if you ever want to chat, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time. We can chat one-on-one -on -one and dive into any questions that anybody has in a bit more detail. But thank you again, Kelly, for coming on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate being here. Absolutely.